I couldn't help but as we were singing, How Great Thou Art, singing that song over and over, that's just a great, good old hymn, right? Um, and I was trying to think, things that are greater. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Now, I'm going to totally botch this up because I didn't write this down in notes because, like I said, I'm standing there singing, and the first thing that came to my mind was this week with NASA. Uh, I believe it was this week, right? The, the uh, spaceship that we sent up, and it, what planet did it just finally arrive at? Jupiter, thank you. Um, and it gets to Jupiter, and they said it was one second off in arriving on the time that they calculated to be there. They were so excited because, and again, I can't remember the length, I can't remember the date when they launched it. Anybody know that one too? Thank you. See, this is Participation Sunday, by the way, okay? As we go through the sermon, I might need more help, so just be ready, be fresh with me, okay? So five years ago, they launched this rocket, hoping that someday it will reach Jupiter and get it on time. And it's like, yes, we got there in five years, and we're off just one second. And I'm sitting there thinking, God could be there now, on time. How great thou art. You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that goes through my mind when I'm singing these songs, right, okay? And it's like, well, okay, how about fireworks, okay? I love the display of fireworks. You know, I remember one year we were sitting there, we got in our backyard, sitting out the lawn chairs, like, this is going to be awesome. We had moved, we're in a new neighborhood, they launch them right there, and it's like, we're going to have awesome seats. Pull out the back table, and, or the back chairs, and we're sitting there like, here they go. All of a sudden, we just see the woods lighting up. Nothing got above the woods. It was like watching a Civil War reenactment in the dark, 10 miles away. It's just, it's like, okay, we see nothing. It was so disappointing. You know what I'm saying? And then this year was, we were in Indiana on the, on the, that Sunday night or I came out night it was that we were there. We left church and we drove over to Indiana to be with my mom and family. And we went to go watch fireworks and we'd never been downtown South Bend to watch fireworks. And they said, well, where do we go? And they said, oh, just walk across the bridge. And like, oh, we're two blocks away. So we started to walk. Well, we couldn't walk across the bridge. It was blocked off because that's where they were letting the fireworks off. I was like, can we walk? No, that's, you can't cross past me. The officer was very nice. said, you can't go past me because that's where we're launching. I'm like, oh, we're that close? Really? Cool. Where do we sit to watch us? Why don't you just sit in the grass right over there? So we're like, okay. So we sat in the grass and they're like exploding above our heads. And it was one of the most incredible shows ever. It wasn't that long. At least I don't know how long it was, but it was spectacular because it was right there, right? But I thought... As I'm reading through Revelation, God's on the throne. The created beings couldn't even look at God. He was so awesome. And they just dropped in their crowns and heads down bowing. And it's like, God's going to be so awesome. We can't even stand to watch. It's going to be incredible how great thou art. So I go back to all this as we sing that song. And as Pastor Landon started off this, this morning with, as we move into the sermon, Here's the underlying foundation to all of this. Our God is a mighty God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is in control. All-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. With that being said, whatever you turn on the news and listen to, it's going to be okay. Because we have a great God. But for those of us, it's like, I still need a little encouragement, okay? Let's dig in, okay? Because as we watch news, I'll tell you, my heart was really sad in this week. And I don't know about some of you. This is participation time, by the way, okay? Give me some of your emotions. Use some adjectives here. For as you've heard throughout the news this week, what kind of emotions, what kind of thoughts are going through your mind right now? Like confused? Upset? Give me, give me some words. Disgusted? What else? Heartbroken? 
What else? Anger. Fear. They're winning, by the way. It's four to nothing. There's nothing going on over here. No, I'm just kidding. What else? Give me a couple more. Hopelessness. One more. Sadness, yeah. Some of you probably have things that register in your mind. You just don't want to say it out loud. That's okay. Um, but I, I think that's the kind of week it was. Um, probably worried and fearful about the direction of our nation. We've watched political powers over the past uh, few months argue, call each other names like playground bullies. And we wonder, can we trust anyone? We viewed senseless attacks in public places. Violence rising like the ocean tides in the evening. It just comes crashing in. This week, our nation, we are reeling from the deaths of Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, and uh, the Dallas um, police officers who were shot during the protest. And I sit there and think our hearts must ache with those who were killed and their families. Um, We are becoming separated and not united as a nation, and that disturbs me. We need to somehow come together, and I believe that one common, powerful place to unite us at the church. It is one place where it doesn't matter what skin color you have. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter how you grew up. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. When you come to the church, that's where we should find unity in Christ. And yet many of us still feel alone and abandoned. And we are sensing this hopelessness, wondering if, if Jesus is going to come back soon. I, you know, I hear more and more often, it seems like every year, when there's something tragic that happens, everybody's right away, man, I think the Lord's going to return soon, right? And after a week like this week, you sit there and think, man, it's got to be next week he's coming, right? If we turn on the news, we read the paper, view social media, you're going to see every day we witness death, cruelty, and pain. Now, here's the deal. For years, I didn't watch the news. It was depressing, okay? This past year, probably about four months, three, four months ago, I decided I'm going to start recording the world news at 6.30. In case I'm not home, if I, then I come home watching. I, and I watch, I'm gonna tell, I've been a little bit more depressed over the past two months as I watch the news, but I want to be updated with current events, what's going on around this world. And as I watch that, I've got to sit there and think, there's got to be hope, Right? I don't know why innocent people die. I don't. And yet we see it all the time. And I don't understand the reasons behind deadly attacks and suicide bombings and senseless violence and hatred towards a neighbor. I don't get it. I don't get it. But there's three things that I do know after watching all that. Here's here's the three things that I do. At some point in time, everyone's going to die. Okay? I do know that. And I do know this too. All lives matter to God. I believe that too. And here's the last thing. So each of us need Jesus. Each of us needs Jesus. Now in Luke 13, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 13. We're going to be sort of all over the place. As I said, I am diverting from Romans chapter 8 this week. I just sort of felt like God saying, speak to what's going on. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13, and I just want to give you some some words of hope from Scripture today, what God's laid on my heart. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says this, About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. 
Jesus said, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other people from Galilee? He went on to say, is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And what about the 18 men who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No, I'll tell you again that unless you repent, you will also perish. Now, why would Pilate kill these Galileans? And, and were they rebelling against Rome or something? Those killed by the tower, this, this tower just falls on 18 men and kills them. It's like, ah, oh, it's horrific, right? Why did that happen? Now, if you were a person back in that day, often a lot of religious beliefs were bad things happen to those people who do bad, or bad things. So these people are probably bad. And God was probably punishing them. That's why the tower fell on them and killed them. Okay? Maybe they were cooperating with Rome, and Rome's bad, so God brought that tower down on them. Maybe that's why. Some people believe, again, that that's how God judges people. If you do bad things, God's going to judge you, and bad things are going to happen to you. But listen carefully. Whether somebody is killed in a horrific accident or they miraculous, miraculously survive, that's not a measure of righteousness. Okay? Everyone will die someday. We know that. Jesus doesn't explain here why some die and why some live. He doesn't do that in this passage. What does he do? He paints a picture instead that everyone needs what? Repentance. No matter how or when it occurs, death isn't the end. Jesus promises that those who perish will have eternal life. So church, let's make sure of this. First of all, for all of us in here, we need to understand this. Every day, or every day people die. Someday, each of us will pass away. That's just the way life is. So here's the thing. Do you know Jesus? It's important you know that. Jesus says, people die. It happens, right? But everyone needs repentance. Everyone needs to know that there's a God who loves them and that there's a Savior. So we need to make sure we get our hearts, hearts right with God. And then we need to get real about sharing God's love with others. You've got Christ in your life? Excellent. Now go share that with somebody. Because the person standing next to you needs Jesus too. We have a world that is in desperate need of God's love. Again, turn on the news. All you see is people desperately needing Jesus as their Savior. We're the salt of the earth, church. You know that? Jesus calls us out. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We, as salt, keep this world from decaying. We bring flavor. Light, we bring light to darkness, right? He used those terms for us in describing us. And here's the thing, church. If we lose our flavor and if we refuse to shine, this world's going to be in bigger trouble. How will they discover God who loves them if we don't show them? Did you ever think about that? As I said earlier, it feels like we're living in a world gone mad and literally mad. A lot of angry people out there. So what do we do? Do we pick up stones and join the fight? Do we pick up weapons and join in? How about a peaceful demonstration? It seems like today peaceful demonstrations really aren't so much peaceful anymore, are they? What do we do? Turn with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. John chapter 18, Jesus is with his disciples. They've been praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This was after they had partaken in celebrating the Passover and having 
We call it now the Lord's Supper. Soldiers have come to arrest Jesus. We look at verse chapter, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. Let me just read this. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples. He entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The leading priests, Pharisees, had given Jesus a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. That's hundreds. And now with blazing torches, lanterns, weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. A full force arrives to arrest Jesus. Jesus fully realizes what's going to happen. He knows. Why? Because he's the son of God. He knows what's going down. Okay? So stepping forward to meet him, he says, Whom are you looking for? Verse 5. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He said, I am he. Now, Jesus said this. And when he said this, an amazing thing happened. Judas was standing there with them. And when uh, Jesus identified himself, but as Jesus said, I am he, check out what happens. Look at verse uh, 6. As he said, I am he, they all fell backward to the ground. Now, as you go back through the Greek, the original uh, text what this was written in, this word depicts all these soldiers and these temple police, hundreds of them, right? Staggering and stumbling backwards as if a force hit them out of nowhere. Pushing them backwards. When you look at the word fall, the Greek word for this word fell, pipto, was used to often depict a person who when they fell, it appears as if they were dead and they fell like a corpse. It was just flat down. The verse says they went back when they fell to the ground. And again, so these soldiers are abruptly falling backward, hitting the ground hard. Some force unexpectedly, suddenly, forcefully knocks them off their feet and they're all laying on their back. All Jesus said was what? I am he. The words that we hear used for God is I am, right? Think of it. 300 possibly, as some um, theologians have said, and calculating the numbers of what a battalion is, could be up to 600 max that were there. Whether it's 300, 600, whether it was even 30. Imagine this. Trained temple police, soldiers, Weapons, swords, clubs, lanterns, ready there to capture Jesus. They announce, him, who are you looking for? Jesus announced, I am he. They all go down. You are one of those soldiers laying on the ground right now. What's going on in your mind? All he said is three simple words. And here I am laying on the ground. You sure you want to arrest him? That great blast of power was unleashed. What a shock it must have been for those military men. Jesus uh, proved he couldn't be taken by force in this situation, right? It goes on to say, once more, he says, Whom are you searching for? You think they're a little nervous and asking again or replying again? <clears throat> There's probably some cracking voices. You guys like, Jesus of Nazareth? And he goes, I told you that I am he. Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, I love this, his love and grace for people, right? He showed grace by not giving these soldiers what they probably could have gotten. And he showed love to his disciples by saying, let them go, don't harm them. I'm the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew his sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. <laughs> just when you thought, you know, Jesus just proved the point here, listen, I'm all-powerful. I'm the Son of God. 
but I'm going to voluntarily go with you because I want you to understand this is my choice to die. This is my choice to be a sacrifice for mankind. Nobody's taking me by force. I'm giving up my life for you. That's my love. And he is, Jesus we serve is very powerful, right? But as all this goes down, look what Peter does. He grabs a sword. He tries to take control. Peter was a fisherman, not a musketeer. Again, I don't know if he meant to take off the ear or he was reaching for more. Missed everything and got in the ear. I don't know. But his action said enough. Right? Maybe he was protecting Jesus. Maybe it's just a bad decision. I don't know. But I understand this. We all try to take control in situations in life, don't we? When things start getting out of hand, we step in thinking, I got to take charge. I got to take control of this situation. And sometimes we make it worse. And sometimes it's hard just to step back and say, you know what? Maybe this is where I let God take control. That's tough. It's like this right here. As a parent and my children, and I hand that, you know how hard it is to let go? It's called control. To say, go ahead, son. You can have the keys to the car. That's hard. Because I want to control his life. I don't want anything bad to happen. What if he gets in the car and da da da, right? But at certain points in time in my life, I've got to understand it's out of your control. It's out of my control. And in this situation, oh, this was way out of Peter's control. But he stood up, grabbed a sword, right? Let me ask you this what was the result? Was it good? Did Jesus commend him for that moment? Oh, nice swipe, Peter. A little bit more to the left. You would have got everything. No, what did he say? Look at what Jesus said. Don't miss this. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup that the Father has given me? Put it away, Peter. Peter learns over time what Jesus did in this moment. Probably not at that moment. At that moment, he's like, but this is what I'm supposed to do. Am I not supposed to fight back for you, Savior? But over time, as he grew in his faith, listen to the words of Peter. This is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 and 12. And then there's a second one, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Peter wrote this. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, how many of you want that? You want to to enjoy life and see happy days? Anybody? Okay, you got a bunch of grumpy people in here. There's only like 10 hands that went up. Okay, if y'all want to be miserable and sit here in your chairs, raise your hand. Copy, raise your hand. Oh, God. Listen to what Peter says. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Stop telling lies. Turn away from evil. Do good. Now listen. Search for peace. And work to maintain it. How hard is it to be peaceful these days? It's pretty hard at times, Right? Somebody cuts you off in a vehicle? Somebody does something to you? Just think through. Is it easy to be peaceful? I told Jenny the other day, today is National Cut in Front of Rex Day. I was driving home. I've been to Toledo and back. I had about four people cross in front of me, cut lanes just to turn over here. And I'm thinking, it's National Cut in Front of Rex Day. That's what it is. And we laughed on the phone about it because she knows I have a choice. I can be very upset about it and get angry, right? Or just, it's going to happen today, right? You've got to work to maintain peace. It takes work. It's not easy. Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 says this, but we're looking forward to this 
new heavens and a new earth that he's promised. It's a world filled with God's righteousness. Aren't we all looking forward to that? A new heaven, a new earth. When Christ returned, we're in his presence. A new heaven, a new earth. Everything that's been promised is fulfilled. We are in the presence of God. Peter says this, And so, dear friends, while we're waiting for those things to happen, that's us right now, okay, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Till Christ returns, Peter says, here's what you get to do. Make every effort to live in peace. Every effort. Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Christ, why don't you return now? Because God's not done saving people yet. So until he returns, we get to share Jesus with more people. Put down the sword. Pick up peace. As a Christian, is that what I'm supposed to do? I believe so. You know, I think to myself as a believer, what weapons then do I have to use? Isn't there anything I can pick up and fight back with? Absolutely. We have the equipment and God has properly equipped us. Ladies, you're going to find out more about that in your Bible study, okay? I ain't no Priscilla, okay? I ain't going to be, I can swing around and she's got, she's got fire, doesn't she? Okay. That's not me, sorry. Okay. But you're going to learn about those equipments, those pieces of armor. And one of the most powerful ones is prayer. Now, the Message Bible, you've heard Rhonda read from the Message Bible. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 2 to 6. Let me, let me read, first of all, from the New Living Translation, then I'll read the message, okay? I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Everybody hear that? Though we live in this world right now, as Christians, we don't wage war the way this world does. The weapons we fight with, as Paul says, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, the message reads it like this. The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they're for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies and tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fighting every loose thought and emotion impulse at the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. God has given us prayer. He's given us his word, an opportunity to show the world, we don't fight the way you do. We fight differently. We fight with divine power. We will be on our knees and we will pray for this nation. We will open up God's word and search for truth and hope and for wisdom. And we will share that with people. And when people are walking around with their heads cut off like a chicken running around like the world's coming, you know, whatever, and we're like, hey, maybe we can speak peace to those people. And when people are blogging and putting down false truth, false information, we can share truth with them and give them hope because we have the divine tools to do that. Church, in these times, I encourage you to know that as a believer in Christ, we have his spirit with us 100% of the time. You are not alone. Look at the person next to you and say, you're not alone. Tell them that. Absolutely. In the Old Testament, there's an incredible story. King Saul and David. Now, we know Saul was chosen by God to be king. However, one time, 
or I should say over time, Saul drifted away. Okay? Things changed. And during that time, we have this courageous story of David defeating Goliath. And after the victory, the people celebrated David's victory, and they fell in love with him. And he's like Israel's next pop star. 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says this, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David killed the Philistine, Goliath, women from all over the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. Okay, King Saul's coming out. Hey, hey, all these women come up. He's like, thank you, I'm the king, right? And what do they do? They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and and cymbals, right? They're like, hey, they're dancing, right? This is what they sang. Saul's killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. Oh, that made Saul mad. They gave credit. David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, I'll be making him king, he said to himself. From that time on, Saul had a jealous eye on David. Matter of fact, there were six assassination attempts on David's life by King Saul. And all during that time, he was trying to take out David. And David had to be asking, what's going on? What did I do to deserve all this? And in this story, God sends David help. He sends Jonathan, sons Saul the one who should have been next in line for the throne. But Jonathan understood, God's chosen David. So I will walk with David. He is going to be the next king. God has blessed him. And so Jonathan became close to him. It says in 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 and 4, Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe, giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. He gave up his armor. He gave up his robe. He gave it to David in spite of Saul's plot. Isn't it great to have a close friend? It's incredible to have someone who's going to love you and stand next to you through everything, isn't it? Proverbs 18.24 says this, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And here's what I want you to hear, church. God has given us someone like Jonathan. I look at this picture of David and Jonathan, and what do I see? I see Jesus Christ standing with us. In the midst of today's mess and violence and pain, we have Jesus Christ. He walks with us. He clothes us with robes of righteousness. He gives us spiritual, uh, the weapons that we need with prayer and shields and helmet, the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. He gives us what we need, just as Jonathan gave David what he needed. Jesus promises to be with us. He removes our sin. He gives us armor. He watches over us. Jesus is truly our companion and our friend, right? But he's more than that. He's what? He's our Savior and Lord. There will always be a Saul in your life who's going to show up and try to threaten you, church. We all have Saul's in our life. There's always going to be things to fear. But we have Jesus Christ. We have his very spirit. Church, this morning, in light of everything that's gone on this past week, I want you to know that you have God's spirit. As God loves you, and as he lives with you, you get to take his love and share it with others. Dwell in his presence. Dwell in his love. Dwell in his peace. But take the love of God and his peace and spread it around. Put your spiritual armor. Get on your knees and pray. This world needs Jesus. Amen? We're the church. Guess what we've been called to do? To take the love of our Savior and our God and give it to this world. So when things are a wreck, when people are picking up stones and swords to fight, we pick up God's word. We get on our knees and we pray. We give them God's peace. 
We give them hope. We give them love. I pray, church, that in these moments that we're getting maybe wearisome and fearful and angry and disgusted, that we step back to where this all started this morning. We have a great God. He's in charge. You can trust him. You can trust him. But while you're trusting him, live at peace. Make every effort. Make every effort. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible God you are. Lord, as we started to worship you today, that's what we we wanted to proclaim. How great you are. How mighty you are. How awesome, incredible. No matter what happens in a foreign nation, no matter what happens in our backyard, you are still God. And in these moments like this, sometimes we forget how to act as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ. We want to pick up the sword. We want to lash back. We want to get angry. We want to shout. That's okay because we're human. And I think that's our natural reaction. But then we've got to remember, as a child of God, with your spirit within us, we can still find hope. We can find peace. And remember to put the sword away. Make every effort for peace, to get on our knees, pray like we've never prayed before. But remember, we're not alone, that you stand with us. We need all these reminders today, God. And with those reminders, we can throw our shoulders back, give you a smile a little bit more, and be at peace because you're in charge. God, thank you again for this morning. We sing to you now, Lord. We just want to worship you again as we as we get ready to leave this place, Lord, continue to speak to our hearts. Continue to speak to our hearts. Let us know that you are here with us.